0: Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We
1: behold the glory God in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are. Revealing who you
0: are. In the ancient world, names carried power. As God changed Abram's name to Abraham, meaning father of multitudes, He signified His commitment to the covenant and His intention to fulfill it His way. And now here's part three of Cheryl's message titled, More Precious Than Gold That Perishes. The things that keep us from putting
1: our full dependency on Him and in Him. He lets us see what our carnal plans do and where they lead and the mistake of it. Finally, the resting of authority in Genesis 17. Now think about this. For 13 years, even though there were disastrous results to this plan, Abram thinks that Ishmael is the heir that God wanted. 13 years. For 13 years, Ishmael has been told, you're the heir. For 13 years, Ishmael has been living as the only son of Abram, the prince so to speak, Abram is now 99 years old. And God breaks the silence. For 13 years, God's been silent. So Abram just thought, this is the plan. It didn't go so easy, but now we're on the right trajectory. Everything's gonna be all right. When God breaks the silence and speaks to him, I am Almighty God walk before me and be blameless. Now, God is not saying that Abram on his own has the capacity to be blameless. We already know that his dealings with Hagar are not blameless. What is God saying then? God is saying that as Abram walks before God in the presence of God, God will make Abram blameless. It's... It's the reiterating of God's reckoning of faith as righteousness to Abram. So God then reiterates again his promise to Abram. God says, I will establish the covenant. I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram will be a father to many nations. And at this point in verse 5, God changes Abram's name to Abraham. The change in sound is almost imperceptible. Abram to Abraham. It's so slight. One means father or exalted father, and the other means father of a multitude. So what is the significance? Well, to name something is to claim authority over it. That's why it was so important when God said to Hagar, you will name your son Ishmael means you will be the mother of your son that's what he was promising in genesis 2:19 perhaps you remember that god brought all the animals to adam and said name them and whatever name adam gave to the animals that was the animal's name what god was doing was he was establishing adam's authority over all the animals. When Jesus met Simon, he immediately said, you are Simon, but from now on, you will be Peter. Jesus was then establishing his authority over Peter. As we continue on our study, we'll learn that Jacob will have a name change. And Jacob will become Israel as God establishes his authority over Abram, Peter, Jacob's lives. So this is God (laughs) wresting authority from Abraham and putting his own authority on Abraham's life. God continued to develop and clarify his promise to Abraham. He said in verse six, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. He tells Abraham that nations and kings would come from him and that God will establish not only his covenant with Abraham, but to the success of descendants as an everlasting covenant. Verse seven, to be their God. Then God will give Abraham and his descendants the land that Abraham is a stranger in. Side note here. He's giving it to Abraham. He says, one day you'll own this. Now, God speaks of this day, and I thought, wow. The Bible tells us, Jesus actually said, that many would come from the east and the west in the kingdom to come, and they would sit down and eat with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's you, that's me. When's this gonna happen? In the millennium in the millennium, all the promises to Israel that have yet to be realized, they will all take place in the millennium. That's when we'll see a world still tainted by sin. What would have happened if they had only received Jesus? All those promises coming through and we'll see God's absolute greatness in the millennium. I fully expect to see Abraham and sit down and have a cup of tea with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. What an expectation. I was sitting years ago, I was on an airplane and I sat next to this rabbinic student. His book was like huge and that's what happened. I said, that is a mighty big book you've got there. And he said, it's a rabbinic study on Abraham. I said, oh, are you studying to be a rabbi? He said, yes. I said, well, I love Abraham. So we started talking about Abraham. He said, I've never met a Gentile. I said, how'd you know I was a Gentile? He said, I've never met a Gentile that knew more about Abraham than I do. And I said, well, you know why I know so much? I said, well, are you okay if I talk about Jesus? And he said, sure. I said, thank you so much. I said, Jesus, who's actually your Messiah, but I stole him, he said that many will come from the East and the West And they will sit down and eat, which is a covenant practice with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I said, I'm coming from the West and I fully expect someday to sit down and eat with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God will give Abraham and his descendants the land he was a stranger in. God gives Abraham and his descendants, the sign of circumcision. Now, this is a sign, males only here, thank God. But every descendant of Abraham will bear the distinguishing mark of God's covenant with Abraham. This will be a reminder to every male that they are in a covenant of God. It will remind them of the very first promise to Abraham and what God was saying. And it's obviously a hidden promise a promise that only those men know about but here god is exercising authority over the most personal part of abraham down to the successive generations of men but it's to men but god god then includes sarah in the covenant god brings sarah fully into this covenant. Now again, the name change is very slight. Instead of an I on the end of your name, it will be an H. Sarah and Sarai both mean princess or royalty. The change is outwardly minor, but it has to do with an inward work of God. God placing his full authority over Sarah's life and bringing her into the covenant. Just as Abraham was brought into the covenant and he has this sign, so Sarah is brought into the covenant as well. And God says, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations, kings, kings of people shall be from her, verse 16. Abraham is a bit resistant to this new development. Do you see that? He falls on his face. And I want to paraphrase, really, God? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child to a 100-year-old man? Now that does seem like, God, am I getting this right? Really? Really, God? And then he says this, use Ishmael, let him live before you, or God, I must have misheard you. This is, you're really referring to, A, to Ishmael. Don't you love this? We are always wanting God to use what is already available. You know, use this bank account, just put more into it. it it's already done. No more weight, no extra work. No miracle required. Isn't that what we want? God, use what we already have. No miracle required. It it could be so easy. I've made it easy for you, God. We've got Ishmael here. And in verse 19, God says, no. Don't you love that? No. God, Ishmael, let him live before you. Let that be your plan. Let that be your covenant. God says, no. No, how many of our plans that we put effort into, we put money into it, and we're like, Lord, use this. I built this for you. And God says, no, no. Then he says, Sarah, your wife, not the handmaiden, not the concubine. Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac, which means laughter, I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with his descendants after him. God also promises to bless Ishmael, but not in the same manner, not in the same way as Isaac. And then God gives a time frame. This time next year, Sarah will be holding a child in her arms. Abraham then circumcised the whole household in obedience to God's word. It was an act of covenant faith. God says, this is the way you're going to come in. Not the way that you thought with a handmaiden, but this is the way that you're going to enter into all of my promises. Like Abraham, God wants to develop, deepen, and draw out our faith. And God knows exactly the circumstances in each of our lives to be able to do that. And God uses, and you're not gonna like this list, he uses delays. You could, go ahead. God uses delays. Okay, thank you all four of you. God uses disastrous plans. Thank you. God uses Nature or aging, aging, lines, wrinkles, need I, weakness, need I say more? Thank you. I like it when you're alive. God uses rituals. You don't have to go, because that's not so bad. God uses covenants and name changes, changing our very personality, changing who the authority is in our life, taking greater authority on us. In order to develop, deepen, and draw out our faith, because faith is more precious than gold. More precious. It's the only currency that is of any worth in heaven. It is the way that God accounts us as righteous. It is the venue through which he can reveal his greatness to us only by faith. It is how he takes authority in our lives so he can fulfill his promises to us so that he can bless us. Perhaps right now in your life, you're experiencing delays or you're dealing with disastrous results from your own plans. Perhaps maybe you're like Sarah and. You feel like maybe you've misread or misunderstood or misapplied God's promises, and that's a possibility. Nevertheless, God only requires a mustard seed size of faith. That's what he uses. That's what he develops. That's what he deepens within us to grow a tree, to draw out to exemplify to others what he wants to do. what Abraham is now to us an example of faith because God chose to take this man and use delays and disastrous and all sorts of contrary seeming resources to develop and to deepen and to draw out his faith that he might make Abraham an example of of faith to us. So we'd realize that we can fail and still be a hero and heroine of faith. God uses this to give us a heritage much more precious to pass on to our children. You know, right now, there's no money, there's no land. I got a few glass bowls I can pass on. But what I can pass on to my children is my faith in a God who never fails. My faith. You know, and the kids, when they call, they don't call and say, hey, Mom, how are those glass bowls? They say, Mom, pray for me. Mom, I'm going through this. And you know what they want? They want one of the stories of faith. Well, I understand that, Kristen. But I'll never forget when you were six years old, and God came through. Do you remember? I mean, we've got this crazy story. She was wearing her strawberry shortcake sandals. I told her not to take them off. Next thing I knew, we're almost at the car and both her sandals are off her feet. And I, she said, no, mom, I prayed. God will give me back my strawberry shortcake sandals. I said, no, he won't. She said, just try. I went into a store that we had not even gone through because, and I just said, you didn't find a strawberry shortcake sandal. I just did it to show her it was an impossibility. So I chose a store we weren't even in. And the lady said, oh yeah, we do. And she gave us one. And Kristen said, see mommy, she's like four. See mommy, Jesus answers. But this is only one shoe. I was such a woman of faith. This is only one shoe. We're walking out the parking lot. I took a different route to my car than I had taken before. And she's like, mommy, mommy, there it is. And we look down and there's the other shoe. And I remember she said, Jesus loves me at four. And what can I do? No. Yes, he does. I don't get this. I mean, I bought them at Payless and they're out of business now. Why? But God wanted to show a four-year-old. And when she was... 18, and she was coming back to Jesus, and I was talking to her about all the promises of God. She said, Mom, something that never left my consciousness, even when I was trying to walk away from the Lord, were those strawberry shortcake sandals. Isn't that amazing? Don't underestimate. My other daughter says, I could feel your prayers. Every place. It wasn't like a compliment, it was like, I could feel them. That's what I have to pass on. I have prayers that work. And I'll, I'll tell you this in closing. And I've told you this before, but I'll, I remember calling up my mom. Well, my mom called me. And my mom, with her dementia, she didn't get things right. But one number she didn't forget, and that was my home phone number. And so I'd get all sorts of crazy calls at crazy times, and I'd pick it up. And she's like, hello? Who is this? And I'd say, this is Cheryl. <gasps> Cheryl? My daughter Yes. Oh, hello, hello, mom. I just dialed these numbers and look. Yes, yes, that's what happens. Uh, and this one time, she happened to call, and I was sobbing because um, Kelsey had been diagnosed with cancer, and she would just come out of um, she just come out of an ordeal, and she had just rededicated her life to the Lord, and was just getting back on the straight and narrow and she was diagnosed, two doctors, and now they were sending us to the oncologist, and Brian was taking her there for the biopsy, and I was a mess. I remember just falling on the floor, just saying, God, how could you bring us this far to just leave us now? And it looked so sure, two doctors, two diagnoses. now here's the biopsy, and I'm sobbing my eyes out. Kelsey's a single woman at the time. She hadn't even gotten married, not even a real boyfriend ever. And I was just sobbing, sobbing. And my mom called, hello, who is this? (laughs) Cheryl, who? And I could barely say, Cheryl, because I was crying so hard. She's like, Cheryl, what's wrong? And I didn't even know if she would get it. I said, mom. And I was just, So vulnerable, I said, it looks like Kelsey's got cancer. No, Brayden, I am not here right now. (laughs) It looks like Kelsey's got cancer. She's like, cancer? I said, yes. She stops. Cheryl, I want you to know something right now. I said, yes, Mom. My prayers are powerful. (laughs) Okay, Mom. No, I'm telling you. God hears my prayers and he works. I'm going to pray right now. And she prayed one of the most beautiful, powerful prayers I've ever heard in my life over Kelsey, over the whole situation. She hung up the phone. And I thought, oh, isn't that cute? And the Lord said, no, listen to me. Her prayers are powerful. I hear those prayers. And the Lord gave me the scripture, and this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask, anything according to his will. He hears us, and we have the request that we have asked of him. She calls back. Hello? Hi, hey, mom. Who's this? It's Cheryl. Cheryl. Now, something's wrong with Kelsey. I can't remember, but I wrote it down. Now, she's pregnant out of wedlock. I was like, No! And that in some ways would be preferable, but no. (laughs) She's got cancer. And my mom goes, cancer? Why did I write down she's pregnant? I don't know. She said, oh, well, my prayers are powerful. Yes, mom, I'm going to pray. And she hung up. I started laughing. What could I do? The biopsy came back. No cancer. No cancer. That girl graduated from Bible college, met a wonderful Christian young man there. They've been married over six years now, and they're going to give me a grandbaby in February. A little boy. My mom's prayers are powerful. Powerful but so is any prayer of faith. God wants to give you powerful prayers and faith, faith is the way. So God is not going to hold back delays, the ruin of your plans, famines, battles. He's not gonna hold it back from you because to him, the most important thing is to develop, deepen, and draw out that faith. Because it's faith, faith that changes everything. And that's what God wants to do. Faith is the key to opening all the doors that God has for us. So God is always working to develop, deepen, and draw out that faith. Faith is not that we never fail, but it is that we never jump ship. That God remains our God, our El Shaddai, our mighty God, our Savior. We have no one beside the Lord. That's faith.
0: In the book of Ephesians, it tells us, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. By the life and death of Jesus, grace was offered to us. Now by that same grace, we who were maimed, lame, blind, and poor have been received, rescued, restored, and rewarded. God is calling us to embrace His scandalous grace today so it can work in and through us. As we do, we'll become more like Jesus and less like the older brother who is in the field of works and unable to enter the feast of joy. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at how we can have an eternal perspective as we continue our Jesus Magnified study in the Gospel of Luke with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com.